Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey, Scott. Hey, Ellie. This is Ellie Kemper, and this is Scott Eckert. <laughs> that is well, Scott this, Eckert. This is Scott Eckert. And this is our podcast, Born to Love. Every week we have someone on the show to talk about something that they love. And this week we have the iconic, lovely, brilliant, and very funny Roz Chast. If you've ever read a New Yorker cartoon, she probably wrote it. Seeing as she's drawn over 800 of them, yeah. The odds are pretty good it was a chast. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to be talking to us about her love of leftovers. And I just want to, I got to cut in right now. And for any of our listeners who are thinking, oh my gosh, she's going to talk about the TV show Leftovers. No, she's talking about the food. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not a bleak exploration of existential crisis and the meaning of life. That's what the show was. (laughs) It's day old spaghetti. It's day-old spaghetti, guys. Or three-day-old pizza. (laughs) People didn't just disappear off the earth. It's food! (laughs) But Ellie, before we bring her in, was was there anything this week that you loved? Yeah, there was, Scott. Speaking of leftovers, I (laughs) am going to talk about something that has nothing to do with leftovers. I had a great week. I had a fine week. I had every week... You got to look for those slivers of light, right? Mm-hmm. Every week is every week is darkness, but you got to look for the slivers of light. <laughs> no, the, the week was fine. The sky is black, the clouds are thick, but then just peeking through that tiny little needle point of hope. And there is what I'll talk about. Scott, I had several <laughs> evening events this past week, and that's not Ooh. usual for me. You know me, I'm early to bed, early to rise, I mean, I think most parents of young children enjoy going to bed early. I'm going to put that out there. So I don't think I'm unique in that way. But I find that I have plenty of energy during the day and then starting around 4.30 p.m., that's when it starts to teeter off. However, I had teeter off? Is that the right 
What did I mean? Teeter out, teeter off. Both of them work. I get it. Oh my, my gosh. My energy starts to drain at 4.30. But I had several evening events and, you know, they were not, they were fine. One was a back to school event. Uh, one was an outing with friends. And then the other was, oh, just some meeting that I had to attend. And <laughs> oh, well, now we all know. You're going to leave us hanging and that's okay. That's a that that evening meeting you just had to attend. What could it be? I don't, I, 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 I'm not giving you any further details of the evening meeting I had to attend. But I um, came back from each one. And, and the thing is, getting yourself ready to go out at that time takes a different energy. You just got to stay focused. I'm always looking for a way to think, oh, I wonder if this could be rescheduled. I wonder if there's a way I could leave early, blah, blah, blah. Nope. You got to have your blinders on. You got to just go in and stay laser focused on getting through the event. And Scott. It has been a tough week for you, Ellie. <laughs> Didn't I oh, tell you? Oh, that obligatory evening meeting really took the wind out of Whoa! your sails. <laughs> I'll, ne I'll, I'll never tell. I'm not going to tell anyone what it was about ever, but let's just say you'll find out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm planning a surprise. <laughs> what part. could it be? The evening meeting was like a hilarious sketch that's going to premiere at primetime television. <laughs> Can I tell you what the meeting was, though? It was just a meeting for my apartment building. I just want to uh. taste. I want to say that because <laughs> I don't want anyone ending the podcast and thinking, what? was she talking about? So I'm, I, it was for my apartment building. Mm -hmm. It was like a like a neighbor meeting. Like a neighbor's uh, meeting. That's okay, Ellie. No one believes you. We all know that it was super secret cool stuff. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> the best part of my three evening obligations this past week was coming home. I feel like I've accomplished so much. It's that feeling of I've engaged with the world. I've been out there talking to people and now I can kick off my shoes and I can just relax. And there's nothing like it, Scott, because like, you know, the, the, there's the similar thing of after you put your kids to bed and you have cleaned the dishes and you can finally watch, I don't know, an episode of The Leftovers or, what, <laughs> or whatever have you, that's fine too. But there's something after coming home from being out that is so much more rewarding because I can feel all of the energy has, it's out of my body. I only have energy to be calm and I tell you, do you know what I did one of those nights, Scott? What? I don't have an iPad. I don't have a TV in my bedroom. I watched a movie on my iPhone, which I've never done before. I said, good night, Michael. That's my husband. He was watching something in the TV room. I said, good night. I went to my room. I turned on my iPhone and I watched Marriage Story or 20 minutes of it. Oh, my God. Ellie. <laughs> what? It seems like such a bummer. This is this is what you were born to love in a grueling week full of secret meeting and late nights. You go into bed, curl up, and watch Marriage Story on your iPhone. I, I was genuinely expecting it to be like, you know what I watched? Groundhog Day. Bill Murray at his peak is so funny. No, 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 no. <laughs> it doesn't seem fun at all. I didn't. Scott, I didn't get to the sad part. I only watched the, like, setting up of the story. I, I met the characters. I saw the, you know, lovely repartee. <laughs> so from your perspective, it's a happy marriage. Yes. I stopped yes. before the marriage got bad. <laughs> it was great. Ellie, I watched I up got, to Laura Jordan. It was great. I got to hold your feet to the fire on this. I'm Here we sorry. go. Here we go. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. Your love this week broke my heart. And I'll <laughs> tell you why. 
because sometimes we chit chat a little bit before we push record because we're friends. We do that. And you warned me. You said, Scott, you are going to hate the thing I love this week. Yeah. And the thing you love is coming home. You think I hate that? You think I hate my family, my bed? (laughs) (laughs) You think that after an exhausting week like yours, I've got meetings too. They're not so secret. I've got kids too. I stay up later than I want sometimes. And when I when I come home, I, I share exactly that sense of comfort and relaxation that you described. Why would you think I don't love that? It might, it might be the thing I love most. Oh, heavens to Betsy. I always took you for a night. You and Vanessa are always out on the town. And I don't mean you're neglecting your children. I mean, you, may, you sometimes you're with the children out on the town. You make it a point to get out after a life and chomp it up. And that's why I thought, oh, you, you, the disappointing part of the evening must be when the fun is over and you go home. Now I'm learning we're united in that love. Mm-hmm. No, we are united in that. If, you, if your love had been, I like curling up in bed and watching Marriage Story on my iPhone, yeah. I would not have loved that. <laughs> right. But coming home and, and, you know, basking in the comfort that home provides... I, I try that every night. I like that. It's the it's the part of my life I most look forward to. Scott. Ellie. We're united in that love. Let's bring Roz in. What do you say? Speaking of apartment buildings, somebody else knows something about them in New York City, that is, because she is a born and bred New Yorker. How's that for a segue, Scott? <laughs> Our guest today. She is the lovely Roz Chast. Roz Chast is a best-selling author and critically acclaimed cartoonist who has published over 800 cartoons for The New Yorker. Her graphic memoir, Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant?, was named one of The New York Times Book Review's 10 Best Books of 2014. And her new book, I Must Be Dreaming, An Exploration of Dreams and Their Meaning, comes out today, October 24th. When we come back, we are going to talk to Roz Chast about her love of leftovers, the food. And Scott, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm thrilled. Stick around. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots 
the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Okay, everybody, we are back. We are here with the iconic Roz Chass. I hope it's okay I use that word. I love that word. <laughs> she agrees. She's an icon. That's a hardcore agree. It's a kind of... Your podcast, your word. <laughs> Thank you. My, my podcast, my adjectives. Roz, it is such an honor to have you on our show we are so happy to be talking to you. And we know that we are here to talk about one of your great loves in life, which happens to be leftovers. This is true. I happen to love leftovers. Scott, I don't know your take on leftovers. Well, I want to get Roz's take on leftovers before I start throwing bombs. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. so Roz, you're an artist, you're an icon. What is it about leftovers that uh, that appeals to you? Well, there are a lot of things about leftovers that appeals to me. For one thing, I I don't like waste. I don't like when people go to the restaurant and then they leave like half the food on their plate and I know it's just going to go into the garbage. I don't like if somebody like cooks something and then there's all this leftover and then it, you know, you're just too busy so you don't eat it so it just goes into the garbage. So there's it, I like the sort of thriftiness and just it just seems like a good thing to do to like yep. you cook it, you eat it. Yep. Uh, unless Sensible. it's like totally like disgusting or something like that. Right. Um, right. Also, like when you have leftovers, you have this wonderful variety of like textures and tastes, and something might not go together, but like so what? You're not going to die. You know, <laughs> it's like when people say, like, well, how, how can you eat like, you know, leftover Chinese food? And like tuna together. And it's like, well, what are you? Like, you know, a princess or something? I mean, right. it's fine. It's right. fine. I want to know what friend you were imitating just then. But yes, I. It, that's the beauty of it. And that's what I so strongly agree with you is that, no, if you were having a dinner party, no. Right. You would not serve Chinese food alongside tuna. Of course not. No. But it's leftovers. And by definition... It's 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 what's in your refrigerator. Yes. And it's not toxic. Yep. Yes, it, hopefully it's not toxic. That's where I draw the line. I don't want yeah. to eat like toxic things. And there is always, it has to pass <laughs> the like smell and like appearance test. I think I also like, I get bored. And so mm-hmm. 
Even with food, I like the sort of ADD aspect of leftovers. You can have a little bit of the fried rice. You can have a little bit of the tuna. And then if you're bored, maybe there's like a half a bagel with cream cheese or something like that. Yep. <laughs> it's just like a mishmash of wonderfulness. Yep. There are some people who just hate this, but I... I kind of like it. And I like the way it sort of looks and, mm-hmm. you know, there's mm-hmm. a collage sort of aspect to it. As someone who doesn't love the idea of commitment. Don't tell my husband. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, kidding. Well, I'm committed. I'm committed. But, uh, but in, in regards to like food and, and cars, I guess I don't like committing to things. And so I appreciate that sort of flexibility that leftovers provide. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And also, I had written a humor piece for The New Yorker about leftovers because my husband and I were in the kitchen. It was like, you know, do I feel like cooking? Not. And he said, well, you want to just fend because fending is the word in our house for when you go into the refrigerator and you pull out what you want for yourself. And we eat together, but uh, we might have different meals. And I started asking my friends what they call fending or if they have an expression. Most people I knew had other words. There were scroungers, like, do you want to scrounge? Scavengers, foragers. Foragers, I think, is a sort of positive way of looking at it. I I feel like that's proactive. Scavengers seems, I I wouldn't, I feel like that's insulting in a way. I think it is too. It's a little bit like, you know, you're a raccoon kind of digging through like other. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. And I love this piece that you wrote for the New Yorker examining what, you know, so many people call leftovers. Do you have an expression? I'm ashamed to say in my house, I think it's left. We call them left. We're not creative and we didn't come up with another word. I mean, can I read a few of these things? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, These were my favorites because I got like I put it to Instagram and I got over 1,700 responses. I mean, it was absolute madness. (laughs) Some of them were so incredible. California plate, spa plate, eek, mustard with crackers, having weirds, getcharoni, goblin meal, gishy, fumfering, piwa diddly, picky poke, screamers, trash panda, rags and bottles, black night, blackout bingo, miff muffer moof, <laughs> anarchy kitchen, mush gooey, fossick, going feral, going Darwin, schluns, gugat, <laughs> moogle moogle, ugetsy, jungle dinner, dirt <gasps> night, mousy mousy, and having poochie. That what? Yep. <laughs> having poochie? Not poochie like dog. Poochie, like the designer, P-U-C-C-I. What do you think it means? What is, po- I don't know enough about Poochie the designer. What Does Poochie have like an eclectic <laughs> style? I have no freaking idea. You know, some of these, I just, miff, muff, remove. I mean, what? Uh, no, <laughs> it doesn't. If I had to guess, if I had to guess what having Poochie meant, it wouldn't be eating leftovers. Yeah, exactly. Sad. Exactly. I completely <laughs> agree. I think I love goblin meal, yes. which is like great because it yes. is a goblin meal. Like Chinese food and tuna, that's a goblin meal. Yeah, I like Anarchy Kitchen. I love Anarchy Kitchen. I've heard Chaos Dinner. Oh, I did not have Chaos Dinner. I like that. I like going feral. Going feral is very good and apt. Someone told me that her grandmother called it eating promiscuously. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like that. That, 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 that's the having poochie set. Yeah, eating promiscuously. <laughs> Were you expecting such a response? I didn't know that was such a common occurrence. I guess completely not. I that's yeah. you know the one of the fun things about Instagram, like you know. Yeah. Just ask a question. And it's like all these other people also have these, you know, terms, which I love. Yep. So, yep. I'm very impressed that so many people are coining their own phrases. I, 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 I just call them leftovers, like Ellie said. Now I feel like I've, I've missed an opportunity. I, schluns. I know. <laughs> well, it's not too late, Scott. You and I can bring these terms into our respective households. And also, by the way, as, as parents of young children, I think we could make that maybe more fun for them because I hate to say it, like, I don't even know how my kids can tell that they're leftovers. I mean, their memories, I feel like, are a day. But then it, they seem to remember when we've had, you know, spaghetti two days ago and now we're having it again. Oh, did they not like that? Well, probably it's just because it's something I'm doing. Yeah. Like, well, it's, you know, that's <laughs> not the actual food. It's yeah. just me. But if we came up, you know, I think if I called it a god, I'm really hooked on goblin meal. I'm really pushing that. That It seems like that would be more fun. Yeah, definitely. They could make up their own words for it. Yes, mush gooey. <laughs> I also like screamers. Screamers is good. Or California. Screamers is crazy. Yeah, California plate is like, as as a lifelong New Yorker, there's something sort of like, yeah, that makes sort of sense. Yeah, yeah exactly. Why, but <laughs> no, because it's kind of, it's like, it's healthy and it's cal- and it's fresh and it's California. Like I yeah. sort of, I, I, I see that. There's a phenomenon that I saw on social media. It's girls' dinner. I think it's oh, called girls' yeah. dinner. Yeah, that sort of, I don't know, kind of irritates me in a weird way. It's odd. What is girls' dinner? I'm not familiar with Roz, this. Roz, what's your take on girls? I mean, what's your interpretation of it? I think it's kind of like when your husband or partner is not there and you're just yep. kind of like, you know, pulling stuff out of the refrigerator for yourself. And it, it yeah. sounds kind of like mush gooey to me. It sounds, yeah, yeah. you know, just leftovers and stuff. And I know like when my husband isn't here and I'm cooking for myself, like I like craft macaroni and cheese, you know, love, which mm-hmm. is, which is like, that's for when he's not here, that's like the sort of centerpiece of my meal. And then I add other stuff to it. Um, I just, it just appeals to me, but I would not make that for somebody else, probably. I mean, he's That's not right. a big fan of, you know, craft macaroni spirals, the shells. But this girl's dinner, and then I'll move off it, yes. is, is I, I share your, well, you weren't even ambivalent. You seem not to like it, but yeah. it, it, it feels different from leftovers. It feels like it's, it's elevated. Yeah. But in, yes. a, in a way that maybe isn't nourishing. Right, right. It's your stupid meal. It's your stupid dinner. It's just whatever, you know. It's not <laughs> supposed to like, you know, elevate you to, you know, the top of Mount. I maybe for some people it does. It's just, you know, some sort of it's all this act of improving yourself or something like that. Uh that's it. And by the way, I have to correct myself. I've been told by our producer that it's actually girl dinner. There's no girls. Oh. It's apologies to all the girls out there, but it's girl dinner. Yes. And we remain ambivalent. But anyway, yes. there we go. All right. Do you like to cook? No, no. Well, I guess I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay. 
I wouldn't say it's something I really like to do. I don't absolutely hate it, mm-hmm. um, but it's not like at the top of my list to do. like when you're you have daughters. I have two sons. Two sons. I was yes. close. Yes. And when your children were growing up, did because right now, so my kids are seven and four. And I find it impossible to choose to to find things that everyone will eat. And every attempt is like usually a failure. And it makes me not want to seek yes. out new things because I know what they'll they'll only eat spaghetti and pizza. So that's the stage of cooking I'm in right now. I'm oh, cooking yeah. pizzas all the time, man. <laughs> <laughs> you just flip in those pies. Oh my God. Do you use that kind of like pre-made? Because I made pizza when my kids were little and they yeah. called it rock pizza because I used uh, Pillsbury pre-made crust. I think I tried buying the crust in the plastic bags where you have to yeah. let it rest. And it was just like, am I allowed to swear? Yes. Please, oh. please do, Roz. Because I, I think I swear more than my kids, but like at, at a certain point, it was just like this. This is taking way too long. I have other things I want to do in my life. I'm actually working, you know? So I would buy the Skillsbury, you know, you bang the roll on the thing and it goes bleh. And I love that. I do too. I, I'm so afraid of it, but also I kind of like it. Um, and then you I would tap it with a spoon, right? Oh, I would bang it on the side of the counter. And then oh, you would do, yeah. Bleh. You know, and it's just goop. Yes, it's just that comes right out. This goop, <laughs> and and then you like put it. But for some reason, the crust always got like really hard. Like, I guess I should feel <laughs> sorry for the kids with those like baby teeth, those little tiny milk teeth and stuff. <laughs> They're just like go to school, no teeth. And, like, what happened? It's like, well, mom made pizza, and like all of the teeth cracked. It's I, I know what you're talking about, and it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> yeah, it should not be that hard. <laughs> so, Roz, what did you put on your rock pizza? Was this a leftover situation? Were you also putting fried rice and cream cheese with bagels on the rock pizza? What were your toppings? My toppings were as boring as can be. It would usually be like some sort of tomato sauce, because, you know, you're cooking for kids. And yeah. they don't like fancy. I mean, I still yeah. remember making a salad that had like different greens in it. And my son saying that he wouldn't eat it because it had all this fancy shit in it, like four leaf clovers. And it was oh. like, <laughs> it never had four leaf clovers in it. Like that no. would be a very expensive salad. you eat you eat a salad of four leaf clovers and you're lucky for like six months yeah yeah yeah, exactly right (laughs) Roz, i i don't want to bring it back to to leftovers specifically necessarily but but something that you said sort of struck me and that is that (laughs) is that you're not gonna die like and if that is your sort of (laughs) threshold it seems like a lot of things would 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 cross it and it reminds me of we actually were having a brief conversation immediately before we started recording you're also a fan of airline food (laughs) so the three foods that i know for sure you like are are leftovers craft macaroni and cheese and and airline food is that a mischaracterization no no i mean there's other things i like but the thing about airline food that's so great is that it's an activity. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just start when you, the, the tray is plopped down in front of you. It starts when you hear that kind of like 
tinkle, tinkle of like the trays starting to be, and it's like, ooh, ooh, foods are coming. You know? Yes. And so your mind is taken off the sort of deep-seated horror of being in an airplane 30,000 feet in the air. And then it's all like neatly sort of packaged in this way. And you yep. take the little foil thing off and yep. and just, I don't know, it just, it's like a little activity, you know? Oh, and more than the activity, I enjoy, I'm trying to think through this. I enjoy the actual food because it's been assigned to me, at least in, I don't know if they do it as much anymore, but I just remember flying from my grandma's house she lived in Ridgewood, New Jersey. So we'd fly from Newark to back to St. Louis. And there was, it's not a long flight, but they always served dinner. And it wasn't like you had a choice. It was just dinner. So I loved that there was no choice. This is what you're having. Yes. And it's hot and it will fill your belly. Yes, it was fine. It was like a TV dinner because it had the roll and it had (laughs) the main course and it had a little section for the dessert. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it was just this very satisfying kind of thing. It's certainly not like going to a restaurant and it's like, well, this chef really, you know, knows his stuff. It's not right. that. It's no some other enjoyment of consuming food that is not yep. about like, mmm, chef's kiss. You know, but there's other aspects of eating that I think are kind of interesting and fun, you know. Yes. I completely agree. It's the eating an airline meal is absolutely the daintiest thing that I've ever done. <laughs> when you say that it's like, oh, it's a little package and you remove this and that the meal itself is as big as the, I, you broke the seal, so I'm going to swear. It's as big as the tray, right? (laughs) Right. There's no space to put anything anywhere. But instead of seeing that as like, uh, I don't know, a horrible tragedy, it's I'm excited by it. It's like, where am I going to put it? And all the little trash, where does it go? I'm going to eat my roll first. So that compartment's going to be where the trash goes. So the food to me is... I don't know. It's it's schluns, but uh, <laughs> but the activity I love. <laughs> it would be really funny to like ask for like leftover bag. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so. You know, there's someone who's done it. There's like, definitely someone who's done it. There's one. There's definitely people who ask for one for the road. Yeah. They're like, yeah, could I of the chicken and the beef? Yes, yes, yes. It's probably true. It's probably yeah. true. Yeah. What is your, how do you feel about asking for the dog, when we're on the back on the ground, how do you feel about asking for the doggy bag? You mean like in a restaurant? In a restaurant. Oh, I'm fine with it. Although I was once in a restaurant with some friends and it wasn't like, you know, ultra, it wasn't like Jean Georges or something like that. It was just some some nice place in Midtown. And uh, that I think this person had chosen because it had gotten some press or whatever. Yeah. And I couldn't finish my meal and I was going to ask for a doggy bag. And she acted as if like I had announced her that I was going to run around the restaurant and grab food off people's plates. You know, it was, like, it was not something that one did in this <gasps> place. 
And it was just like, oh, I mean, I never forgot it. It was like, oh, well, I guess you're kind of fancy, aren't you? You know. Did you stick to your guns? Did you get the... No, I didn't. I was, I think I was younger. I was, I would have stuck to my guns now, but like I was, you know, in my probably late 20s and I was kind of insecure about what one did. And like, she was older and maybe <gasps> this was like really not something one did in a nice restaurant in New York, you know. So you said to her, I'm going to ask, I think I'm going to ask, I'm going to take the rest home. And she said, oh. Yeah, she was horrified. (gasps) Yeah. Wow. That's extreme. You were in the, you were in the right, Roz. 100%. Having said that, I do feel an awkwardness when I'm out with friends. And I don't know what it is. Why should it feel like embarrassing? But sometimes it does if you're going to take the doggy back home. But it, it, wh- the alternative is that everybody's just going to throw it out. So, I hate like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you, sometimes if I'm not going straight home, then you can't. Like, you're not going to bring a bag of food to the theater, you know? Right? I mean, that <laughs> right. just seems like that's pushing things. Yes. Um, but if I'm going right home, you know, I'd like to take it home. So, yeah. I my most of my awkward doggy bag etiquette experiences are in the opposite direction where I will have, you know, maybe not finished all of my meal uh and then the waiter will be like, "Do you want a doggy bag for that?" And the truth is, I do not. Right. And I hear the thriftiness and the clean plate club and you don't want food to go to waste. I'm a big believer in that. But sometimes the portions not big enough and frankly sometimes the meal wasn't good enough. No, I don't want a doggy bag. And you're going to insist that I ought to have one? No, thank you, sir. But of course, I take their doggy bag. Right. Right, because you didn't want to offend or you didn't want whatever the reason is. That makes perfect sense. You know, you don't want to... It insults. Right. I mean, I was just talking with a friend of mine about whether either of us ever send food back. And I never do. I cannot stand the idea of it. That just like, oh my God. What if, Roz, what if they got your order? You know, what if, what if you can't stand onions and you're not allergic, but you can't stand them? I just take the onions off. Okay. I mean, if, if it was like all like mushed up inside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Probably if I couldn't stand them, I would work my way around them. This is a deep cut for Born to Love listeners, Roz, but where do you come down on, let's just hypothetically say you ordered a salad yeah, and then a moth uh, or or a grasshopper appeared in that salad. What do you think the, the appropriate response to that situation would be? Because Ellie's husband has an interesting take on it. Oh, uh, I think I would probably pick the thing out of the salad and eat the salad. See? <laughs> wow, you all right. Were born to love Michael Komen, my you husband. Born to love Ellie's husband. But a cockroach or a water bug, that, no, 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 no. <laughs> cockroach, water bug, there are certain kinds of insects that, no, no, a cricket, you know, a grasshopper. Those are all okay. Those seem okay. They seem sort of like out of like Charlotte's Web or something. Like totally. That, and know? perhaps good luck. Yeah. Maybe good luck. They're they're yeah. kind of like out of like a hayloft in the country. Cockroaches and water bugs, they're like from underneath my refrigerator in my apartment. Oh. You know, I don't Vile. want that in my salad. Draws the line at cockroach. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that... You, that says so much to me about you as a person because, I mean, not the cockroach piece because 
Well, that also says so much to me. You're, you're, you have respect for yourself. You're not going to have something that a cockroach has touched. No. But the moth, the grasshopper, the praying mantis, what have you, I, I, it was there. It's, you know, you're eating, especially if it's a salad, it's, it's, it's roughage. It's like, you know, been in the garden where bugs are, or it's been in a kitchen where bugs are. Yeah. And the, and you'll take it out and eat around and think about how much you eat every day that you don't even know what bugs have been on. My husband's argument is that Mike, uh, Scott, what was the argument? <laughs> it was that like we as Americans feel entitled. Yeah, Americans feel entitled to stuff, and that just because there's a bug in your salad doesn't doesn't mean that you should send it back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think also, you know, I've never worked at in a restaurant, but my impression from people I know who have is that it's really, really hard. It's hard work, yeah. and yeah. sometimes, you know, I just feel you know, that they're under a lot of stress and they don't want to deal with people acting. And I think also this is like very personal, but my mother was very like, well, she was an assistant principal and drawing with, well, this is not to my liking, you know, and she didn't say it quite like that, but yeah. you know, <gasps> if something was wrong oh. Oh, or sauce had touched something and she had asked for sauce on the side because she's very, you know, concerned about her figure. And she sent it back because the sauce had touched the food. And I was like, your listeners will not know, but I'm pulling my shirt. She's going into her shirt. Like she's a, like hiding a like a turtle like in that, her shell. No, that, that's mortifying to be dining with that person. Yeah, it because was. Because even though the, the server understands it wasn't you who right. asked that. I'm still friends with that person. Yeah. And also, it, it, is your fear, is it, um, angering the chef or the staff, or is it that they will retaliate? It's both. <laughs> it's both that they will retaliate, that I've offended somebody, um, that I don't like to cause, you know, anybody extra work or, you know, mm -hmm. just the whole thing just seems mm -hmm. so uh, fraught with like, you know, I can just fall down that rabbit hole of like, I never should have been born. You know, it's mm -hmm. just, it, I mean, it's just like, it's really like three steps away from that feeling. So I don't know. So that definitely has something to do with it then, because your mother would send it back. It sounds yeah, like. Yeah. And, yeah. And she was more, you know, possibly confrontational, more yeah. assertive and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I've yeah probably run in, in another direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gone and made different life choices. Uh, you, you, you've gone on a different journey. Yes, I I am. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm astonished. I've, you've totally convinced me. I was a, a leftover skeptic. And now I think that I'm going to introduce a uh, goblin meal back into my life. <laughs> yeah. So, so thank you for that, Roz. If you have a minute, yeah. would you stick around and play this game with us? I would love to. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? 
why did the internet choose them, and what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Here we are. We are here with Roz Chast, and Roz has agreed to play one of our favorite games, i.e. our only game. It's called Love It or Loathe It. So, Roz, what we're going to do is we're going to throw out some subjects, some topics to you, and you just tell us if you love that thing or you loathe that thing. But you can't be meh about it. You you have to go all in or all out, okay? Okay. Okay. Love it or loathe it, the color yellow. Hate. (laughs) (laughs) please tell us why uh not sure not sure (laughs) (laughs) just an instinctive loathe all all yellows uh no not all yellows and i use it in my work i for artwork totally different uh um (gasps) way of judging these things interesting uh, yeah because sometimes you need it and, and there is worse yellows and better yellows, deeper yellows. I don't mind as much as the really shrill, very bright ones that just, mm-hmm. they're just so assaultive and I just mm-hmm. cannot stand them. So like you see a school bus drive by and it, it fills you with fury. No, no. The school buses are actually usually more like that deeper yellow. And that's yeah. not quite as horrible, but uh, <laughs> but there are certain bright, 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 yellows they're just so sunshiny and assaultive i just can't yep. stand them. oppressive i get it i get it okay well um roz in that vein love it or loathe it the color orange don't like it 
don't like it. <laughs> too yeah. closely related. Too closely related. Also assaulted. Uh, but different, <laughs> different when it comes to art. Because yep. with art, sometimes you need it. And it's fine. It's good. That's so in- So do you eat oranges? Or are you just... It's, yeah, it's I, like and I like oranges. I like oranges. What about bananas? Bananas acceptable or no? Too yellow. Bananas have a texture thing. And I like them, but they have to be like within a probably 15 minutes of perfection. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they have a very... Like avocados, they have a very short window. It's... It is... minute it is so tiny that window of acceptability and and i think bananas even more so than avocados yeah Yeah. they can turn on you yeah yeah it's tiny (laughs) so Roz, if we if we went through all the colors what percentage of of the colors would you say you loathe um i love them all for artwork and and Mm -hmm. other people's artwork it's a whole different thing but just like as a sort of idea um I like dark colors. It's true. Yeah. I hate, hate pastels. Um, white is is. Did you ever? This is gonna sound very pretentious, but have you ever read Moby Dick? Yes, years ago. I've never read it. You remember what he wrote about white? The whiteness of the and the color white, and the horribleness of white, and how much worse it was than black, and it's. Oh. really really good it's really really good so yeah. <laughs> so we'll look up that passage the herman melville's screed against the color wait white. white white is the absence of color right no black is i think the absence of color and white is supposed to be all the colors like mushed together or something this is you're talking about spectrum rules okay yeah well i i i first of all should read moby dick but second of all that's so fascinating because white, yeah. I associate with like, oh, brightness. and He writes so well about it. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Well, I appreciate an, an artist as such as yourself, of course. It's such uh, informed opinions yes. about <laughs> good and bad colors. I've, I've got to defer. Um, <laughs> love it or loathe it, Roz. Driving. <laughs> she oh, just, she's covering she, her face. She's fallen back in her chair. Oh, she's marshalling the energy to answer this question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know if there are words enough to describe how much I hate it. Um, <laughs> it's it goes beyond loathing. I think it's the worst. It's really you hate it. Do you hate it more than the color yellow? I hate it more than almost anything. It's wow! <laughs> but you yeah. had to so much, especially when your kids were young. Yes, I had to. I had to learn. I didn't learn to drive till I was thirty-eight. Sure. Because I grew up in in New York and was one of those New Yorkers who just never learned how to drive. I never yeah. had to. Uh, but moving out here and having kids, I did have to learn how to drive, and it's just awful. It's just everything about it is terrible. I don't like cars. I constantly feel like something is going to go horribly wrong. You know, that they're going to explode or the wheel, the steering wheel is going to come off in my hand. Or like, what do I do if I get a flat? And I know theoretically I call AAA, but like, I don't want to do that. And like, Uh, you know, there's like, where is the insurance? I don't even know any of this. You know, this is just, I don't like merging. I don't like trucks. I don't like bad weather. I don't like lanes. I don't like (laughs) highways. I don't like any of it. You're obviously competent at it because you've had to do it and you're, you're, you know, but are you, are you good? Like I'm bad at it. I think 
I've never had an accident, knock on well, wood. That's, I'm a very okay. nervous driver, so mm-hmm. I'm, I don't, you know, take it for granted that I know what I'm doing. I'm very mm-hmm. cautious, but I am a very avoidant driver. So mm-hmm. if I can avoid driving, I will. Mm-hmm. I've only driven into New York once and I, never again. Oh, I can't imagine. I would not <laughs> yeah. like doing that. Yeah. I, the I, only I, time the only time I ever drove into New York was with Ellie. Yeah. And we, she and I were roommates briefly for about a year. It was our first apartment in New York. Ellie, do you remember this? Of course I do. And it wasn't just any car, Scott. It was not. We we had like stuff that we were bringing into the city and we rented a U-Haul. And I, the first time driving in Manhattan, both of us was driving a U-Haul across a bridge. <laughs> Halfway through, we realized trucks including ours, not allowed on this bridge. Oh, it, was, it was the most terrifying driving experience I've ever had. Can you imagine that? Did we just name your nightmare, Roz? I mean, and Scott, it was you driving. I wasn't driving. Driving a U-Haul truck across some unknown bridge into Manhattan? That Illegally? Terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. And, and terrifyingly close to why I don't drive into New York Yep. Neither anymore, yep. which was, I was certainly not driving a U-Haul, but I was dealing with my parents' apartment in Brooklyn and uh, uh, my husband didn't want to drive. And so I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to, you know, put their address into the GPS and blah. And I actually got to Brooklyn, which I felt so proud of myself. But then somehow I found myself on a ramp going back on another bridge out of Brooklyn. And at that point, I had no idea what bridge this was. I didn't know where I was going. Am I going to New Jersey? Am I going to Staten Island? Am I going to Manhattan? Where am I going? I'm on this bridge and I hate this. I've never driven on a bridge before. I don't like this at all. I'm lost. I'm terrified. I felt like I was going to like totally decompensate and like just park the car on the side of the bridge and just like step outside the, of the mm-hmm. car and just say, well, I can't do this. But I just sort of followed my GPS. I was briefly on uh, <laughs> on the Bowery and somehow mm-hmm. it like routed me back across the bridge again and I got back into Brooklyn. And then I deliberately drove like against the GPS to get <laughs> deeper into Brooklyn because I was afraid that I would make another loop on that ramp yeah. on the wrong yeah. ramp. <laughs> Oh, and then I had to park on their narrow street, and I think I tied up traffic for like about I don't know how oh. to parallel park. So oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I hate know, that. It was just a nightmare. Um, so yep. that was the last and only time I've, I've driven into the well, city. Hats off to you for even attempting that because you know you did it for your parents, and that's really a scary. I think a scary thing to do. I don't understand how people are just so casually driving in New York all the time. And like, oh, I got to move my car. It's opposite side or whatever the rule of the law is. What is it? Alternate side of the street. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll never understand that. I, I Parking like as a performance, like an unwitting performance when people are watching and waiting for you. It's truly it's the stuff of nightmares. Maybe you write about it in your book. I can't wait to read it, but it's very scary. All right, Roz, this one for the game. Okay. <laughs> You've won already. The last one. But the last one, <laughs> love it or loathe it, ukulele. Ah, ukuleles. I love it. I love it. It's uh, it's fun. It's easy. The entry bar is very low. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, as somebody once told me, a ukulele is halfway between a toy and an instrument. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's portable. 
um, it's fun. Yeah. Do you play? I do. I do. Yeah. Did you teach yourself? Yeah. It's very, you can, it's, believe me, it's so easy. I mean, you just watch, you can watch tutorials on YouTube. There's a million of them. And uh, my friend, Patty Marks, uh, I collaborate with her on a lot of books. Um, She's the one who got me into the ukuleles. And we, we play, we, we do this sometimes if we, we just did a kid's book together also, and we'll be playing uh, our ukuleles and it's fun. Is the kid's book out? It comes out October 10th, so it's actually two books in the fall. You have two books this month. What is the name of your of the kids book? It's called Tired Town. Oh and my it's gosh, really I'm it. it's actually pretty good, I must say. <laughs> Patty wrote she it. She sounds surprised. Okay. Yeah. Oh yes, okay. Uh Patty wrote it and I did the drawings and um it's very fun. It's very very fun. It's you know, a kid who doesn't want to go to sleep. So we oh, all Okay, I think I I think I know the type. <laughs> yeah. I think I know two of the types. Yes. And Roz, that well, that's a, a nice little segue because first of all, that's the end of our love it or loathe it. You won as as predicted. But second of all, I wanted to ask um as we wrap up, are there any other projects you would like to promote? We have Tired Town, your new children's book. And uh I must be dreaming, which comes out on October 24th. That's today, if you're listening to the day that our podcast came out, that's today. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's about it. Well, that's about it. That's two books that you wrote that we cannot wait to read. Roz, thank you so much for taking thank the time you. to chat with this us. This was a pleasure. Thank you, Roz. Thanks for listening to Born to Love. We'll be back next week with brand new things that we love. We want to hear from you. Leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and tell us what you love. We might even ask one of our guests in an upcoming Love It or Loathe It. Born to Love is hosted and created by Ellie Kemper and Scott Eckert. Our executive producer is Aaron Kaufman. Our producers are Sheena Ozaki and Zoe Denkla. Born to Love is part of Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network in collaboration with iHeart Podcasts. Special thanks to Han Sani, Rachel Kaplan and Adriana Cassiano, Michael Fails, Alex Coral, and Bahid Frazier. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics 
in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 